Hi, this is Carol Sanford. I'm from the Carol Sanford Institute, and today I have with us one of the honorees from the Regenerative Prize. Would you please introduce yourself, Adam, and tell us about your business? Sure. So my name is Adam James. I'm the Deputy Director for Global Policy and Strategy over at Solar City. Uh, Solar City is the leading solar provider in the United States. We do uh, solar panels on residences, so homes, um, businesses. We serve uh, whole communities by putting up solar projects that all the people and neighborhoods can buy into. Uh, and we also serve utilities directly, um, both with large power plants that have solar batteries and with services. So we are uh, kind of more than just a solar company. We're an energy company and a services company. That's great. And for anyone who wasn't at the uh, summit, you were just uh, awarded, an, uh, you were made an honoree is probably a more accurate way to say it, for the work that you've done in what we call transacting industries, which are industries that create platforms, which other people can do business with. And it's one of the most important ones, which it is where much breaks down in terms of insurance or finance, or in your case, energy. And so we were very excited to have you become one of the honorees that we could tell your story. Um, let me ask you a question to get us started here. Tell us a bit about the founding of Solar City and why it was that it was brought into existence. You know, some people use the word mat, uh, mission, passion, purpose, uh, but I think there was a, a strong reason that uh, not all of our listeners may know about. Sure. So, um, you know, we came out of, uh, there are several companies that have been founded by Elon Musk uh, that I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast are aware of. Um, SpaceX is one of those, Tesla is another, and Solar City came out of a similar kind of ethos, I think, that those companies came out of, which is a desire to really transform the way that humans interact with their planet. Um, you know, uh, SpaceX for Elon is, you know, uh, there's looking outward at where we could be. Um, Tesla aims to revolutionize transportation. And Solar City kind of came out of the idea that you need to revolutionize the way that people interact with their uh, energy consumption. And there's a very simple reason for that, which is that, uh, as Elon says frequently, um, the way that we're doing things today is, by definition, not sustainable. Uh, and so the question then becomes, how do you get people to consume energy in a sustainable way. And the thing that was really revolutionary about um, Solar City, and um, you know, we have uh, Lyndon Rive and then Peter Rive, who are cousins of Elon running Solar City as the company. But the thing that was really revolutionary about what Solar City did was in pioneering a way to interact with customers around energy that was uh, easier for them to kind of wrap their wrap their minds around. So uh, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, solar was still pretty expensive. And so even though people might have had a value that they, they want to, you know, do more for the planet, they want to go green, it was still prohibitively expensive to do so, at least on day one. Um, you know, the, the amount of time that it takes to pay back uh, those investments, even if that's quick, it still isn't going to be a, something that they see on day one. So it's cash out of pocket. Uh, what Solar City did was it kind of pioneered this no money down option um, so that customers can get solar on their roofs today. Uh, and the value proposition to them is simple, which is you pay less for clean energy 
instead of paying more more expensive uh, dirty electricity. And with that simple value proposition in place, um, we've seen that solar energy has really taken off. So I think that's one part of the, the kind of the origin and the and the, the mission. Um, the other part of it that I think has really kind of cascaded over the last ten years throughout every aspect of the company, and this has a lot to do with uh, that concept of uh, what it means to to kind of revolutionize transactions, is that we've focus a lot on the customer's experience. So I don't know about you, Carol, but I personally don't even know what my electricity bill was last month. Um, you know, it would be tough for me to, like, I, I don't have a lot of, uh, in my day-to-day life, I don't have a lot of interaction really with, with energy, or I don't think that I do, even though it is something that underpins most of my life. And so, and, you know, I remember last year getting a new car, um, you know, even though I was financing it, it still was not uh, a fun experience. It was kind of a chore to go out and find the car and be signing the paperwork. And there wasn't a lot of joy in that transaction. Uh, and I think Solar City approaches um, something that is either uh, hidden, like, you know, most people feel about energy or a chore, like making a big expense in a way that actually brings some real joy into it, um, where we have software and apps that uh, allow you to really see and experience these things. And, um, you know, people show up, you can see when the truck's arriving at your house. And, uh, and you know, we kind of take people through from end to end in this experience that from the moment you talk to somebody about solar until you flip on your light switch and you're getting solar in your home, that you walk away from that feeling like you've been glad that you've had that experience. And, and I think that that's something that's a little bit unique uh, in and of itself. Let me follow up a little bit on that, Adam, because one of the things we talk about in regeneration is you become very mindful of who the customer is. Now, a customer experience with you is one thing, but customers' experience with how it changes their life is something Mm -hmm. else. And regeneration, Mm -hmm. I believe, starts with actually thinking about how to have their life be radically different, even if they aren't aware of the direct energy. And I think that one of your ambitions likely is to eventually have everyone on the planet using solar. But in the meantime, you have to build, starting with some people who are ready and trying to change certain things. Can you talk about who your current customer is and what it is you believe you're transforming for them and how they're able to live their life? Yeah, that's an excellent question because I think that because you're right, there's two there's a there's two parts to the transaction. You know, there's the customer experience of buying the product, but then there's what we enable once yeah. they've done that, which is a way to relate to the energy sector, which is new and and revolutionary. You know, um, so we've seen over the last ten years that uh, you know Uber has um, in many places um, supplanted traditional taxi industries. Um, it's empowered customers. Netflix has done the same thing to cable. iPhones has done that for, uh, and other smartphones have done that for, you know, landlines. Um, and in each of those cases, what's happened is that technology has democratized uh, an experience for customers that used to kind of be a one-way relationship. And, and that's the way that energy traditionally has been. Customers have been passive recipients of energy. Uh, and so the thing that happens, I think, once people go solar as a customer of Solar City, and the place where we're really on the leading edge of the industry is in enabling those customers to become market participants, whether that's um, active or passive. Uh, and just as an example of that, and an example of where I think we're going, is that it used to be that we just put solar on people's rooftops and they saved money, and, and that was 
great, but you know, that's the foundation stone, I think, for something much bigger, which is that uh, as we have technology like smart inverters and batteries, um, we're moving towards a future where customers will be able to respond to signals in the market um, and be you know, in a position where they can, for example, um, contribute some of the power from their home uh, to the grid as a whole. So, you know, if you're um, sitting in, you know, the electric utility and uh, all of a sudden you know that you need a little bit of extra power, you can have two choices. Do you want uh, all of the, you know, to take maybe 100,000 customers off across your territory and have them all contribute a tiny bit of energy from a battery that they have in their home? Or do you want to fire up a natural gas plant? And that has impact, both obvious impacts on the environment um, because you're opting for a cleaner solution. But it also is a really revolutionary change in going from a centralized to a decentralized solution and one where each of those individuals gets to participate in and benefit from uh, a system that's really working like a system instead of just like a straight line. So I think that that is something that SolarCity is, um, is really on the leading edge of. And, and the reason we've been able to do that is because our, our customer experience, our, our positive customer experience and our kind of no money down option let us get to a scale where we can deploy those technologies so that they can get used in that way because you have to really have a lot of volume in order for those kinds of solutions to make sense and have an impact. So I love that. So the the essence beyond of what you're enabling is actually democratizing our management of energy at the level of individuals and neighborhoods. Am I hearing that correctly? That's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. So I want to go one step further uh, because you mentioned the idea that you're really working with a system uh, and changing the system, the entire energy, the grid, everything that we think of related to energy. You're also impacting a lot of other folks in the industry. And I'm suspecting that you have, being the strategy person, uh, strategic ideas about how you would hope to move the energy industry itself over some period of time. Uh, can you speak to any part of that or conversations that would be intriguing for us about how you might move an industry? A lot of people try and do that. How are you doing that? Yeah, well, I think one thing that's been surprising to me um, is that sometimes I think in the solar world, like maybe being in a certain political party or uh, having you know a, a particular life, you get in kind of a bubble and you forget what it's like to not be in the bubble. Right. And in the in the bubble of, of being in solar and working in solar every day, there are things that I take for granted that I forget are not part of the kind of the common understanding. And I, and the main thing there to get to your question is that you know solar and clean energy is not a theory anymore. Um, you know there are more solar jobs in the United States today than there are coal mining jobs. There are more solar jobs than there are oil and production jobs. Um, there's more EV charging stations in Japan than there are gas stations. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not at a tipping point. We're kind of past the tipping point when it comes to the question of is clean energy having an impact on the industry? Uh, but what's remarkable, I think, to me is that even with those kind of amazing milestones that we've, we've crept past that show that this is a mainstream, uh, that this is a mainstream change that's occurring is that we still have so far to go. Uh, you know, in the solar industry, I think we're investing something in the neighborhood of $500 billion a year. And we need to get to about $5.5 trillion a year in order to avoid catastrophic uh, consequences of climate change. Um, 
And so, so that's where we see the shift uh, that we're driving towards, which is that we need to be able to shift our entire planet's energy consumption uh, to a sustainable model, period, full stop. And in order to get there, um, you need uh, more than just, um, you know, solar panels on roofs. Uh, you need solar, you need smarter technologies like those smart inverters that I mentioned. You need batteries. You need it to be integrated with information technology that allows all of those pieces to talk to each other. You need, you know, thermostats that you can program and that can ratchet up or down based on what the needs of the grid are. Um, you really need to, to build a fully functional system. And um, the one that we are walking away from, you know, the grid that we, we, we have largely in place today and the thing that we're trying to transform is really like was the best that we were able to do based on technologies that we had a hundred years ago. But, you know, it's a hundred years later, like we have new technologies, there are other options and we have the capacity to shift our entire global energy system to an entirely new model. And so, um, you know, there's, there's different moving parts to that. There's, it's a business model question. It's a financing question. There's policy, there's technology, but I believe today that we actually have all of those pieces in place. And it's really about just kind of, uh, putting our, our heads down and, and getting to work and, uh, and t using the places where things are really working as models to hold up for the rest of the world um, so that they can kind of mimic those best practices and continue to accelerate that transition. How do you make connection with customers, whether they are residential or commercial or industrial? You know, how did, I mean, I know about you, but part of what you're trying to do are move into markets that have vaguely heard things about energy changing. But are, do you have a way you're doing education to bring people toward this? Or what is your business model for getting more people connected? Well, we have a few ways that we, we get in touch with customers, but it's something that the I think the entire solar industry is still trying to figure out um, because of those dynamics that I mentioned at the beginning, which is, I think you're alluding to, which is that most customers don't really have a relationship with energy today. Uh, and so you're trying to replace something that they don't think about. And that's a really difficult place to, to be. So we have several routes that we go. Um, you know, we've got some traditional business routes like call centers and um, people who knock on doors. We've got a pretty incredible uh, network of referrals and um, are under our ambassadors program uh, where people um, who believe in what they're doing or, you know, if they've become customers or, uh, or not can go and, and make uh, referrals to other people in their neighborhoods or in their lives. Um, that's something that I think is, is particularly interesting as we look into new markets uh, in other countries, which is a lot of what I'm focused on at Solar City. Um, and so there's things like that, you know, we have an, we have online an online presence. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think that if you look at other places where solar has become more prominent, such as Germany, the vast majority of solar in Germany is, is owned by, uh, people who own, uh, their homes and it's, it's on, you know, and it's not owned by a third party and it's not, um, owned by the utility. And so, What's happened in places like Germany or Australia, for that matter, is that when you walk outside of your home and you look around, you see solar panels everywhere and it has become part of your life. And so the, uh, the origination of that relationship with the customer a lot of times comes from the customer because they are, are looking to do what their neighbors are doing. Um, or if you do initiate contact with them through whatever channel, 
uh, it's easier to kind of get them uh, to a place where they're interested in going solar. You don't have to lay as much groundwork. And so there's a little bit of a this virtuous cycle of the more solar that gets deployed in a particular place and the more visible it becomes, the easier it is to get more solar deployed and more visible. And that's a trend that we've seen globally and that we're hoping will get replicated here in the United States as well. Let me switch gears just a little bit because um, I know that you have some members of your organization, past, present, and future, working on systems change, which is more related to social justice, and you're making choices about how you step into using your voice. And it was something that our judges all commented on, that they were all very moved that you were using your, quote, brand uh, and your way of seeing the world to help give a voice to something that tends to get lost. And I think as a result to help change a social system we have. Could you speak a little bit to why you made the choices to have that not only be individuals who leave the company and go, but it's clearly a position that Solar City is holding that is worth uh, lifting up. Could you just share a little bit around that territory of question? Yeah, I mean, I have some thoughts here, but I, I'd actually like to take a moment to turn over to my colleague, Sherry, who is doing some really incredible work in this space and uh, and has some some practical examples from, from recent history that I think would be really, uh, really illustrative. So, Sherry, do you want to take this one? And Sherry, give your full name, if you would, in your role, and then jump in. Um, my name is Sherry Faso Alf, and my my technical role at Solar City is head of training development, and I work with colleges and universities across the country to develop the uh, curriculum and the content that we use in our internal training. And I also work on capacity building and developing new markets for solar in many um, sectors, much of which is in the areas of um, underrepresented populations and developing the capacity for solar energy in, in certain areas of the country that might not otherwise be first in line uh, for solar. And we work to train individuals in order to um, gain employment, for example, in, in solar. We work to develop workforce for solar energy. We're working in areas to develop solar energy economies so that these folks can have a place to go from fossil fuel moving into clean energy and we're working to train them in solar so that they can stay in their own community and work or or move in the shorter term move elsewhere and work in solar. It's very inspiring to know that uh, most companies are very cautious about taking a political stand uh, and so I you didn't speak to that as much at the beginning Adam but you said you wanted to add something too. Would you please also comment on why this is a part of a strategy, you know, in terms of what it can bring. Sure. So another example that I think is, you know, from the last year that's been really powerful has been what we saw happen in Nevada, which was uh, that the, so energy is a very heavily regulated industry. That's true of everybody, including solar. Um, And what happened in Nevada was that there was a decision that had been made by the Public Utilities Commission, which is the entity that regulates solar power in that state, um, that would uh, basically eliminate the policy that allowed customers to get compensated for the solar that they produced in a way that made economic sense. So, um, you know, that was the, the premise. And what we saw happen was that a campaign sprung up out of that 
from the grassroots that Solar City worked to support. Um, we saw, you know, customers, we saw solar installers, we saw, you know, salespeople, we saw like, you know, these crowds and of crowds and crowds of people and, and started seeing multiple stories in the news per week about people who wanted to bring solar back to their state. And one thing that, you know, as somebody who participated in that a little bit and who, um, you know, I spent a few months of my life trying to help uh, support that effort. Um, I've got to say it was like, it was incredibly inspiring because I think a lot of times we're used to um, thinking about things as an industry or from a business point of view, from like the, almost the perspective of lobbying, like, you know, you got to go in and talk to the lawmakers and give them draft bills and do this and do that to try to uh, create a better environment for your business. And what was really amazing in Nevada is that that was uh, a very small portion of what wound up making a difference or kind of catching the headlines there. What really got attention and what really wound up getting traction and creating a big difference was that the people of that state uh, wanted the choice. They wanted the choice to be able to have solar on their rooftops and they did not like uh, uh, any kind of policy change that would make that more difficult for them. And it just resonated with these values that we saw cross party lines as well, that people wanted freedom, you know, they wanted choice, they wanted security. Uh, and that in a time that's so politically divisive, it was actually kind of inspiring to just see an issue like solar uh, tie all of those people together. And I think that that's something that we'll see more and more because one of the things that's so powerful about solar is that you create constituencies for clean energy. So, you know, the next time something comes up on the ballot, uh, you know, you're going to go to the ballot if you have solar on your home. You're going to fight for clean energy if you have it on your home or if your brother works for a solar company. And so it's another example of a virtuous cycle where the more clean energy gets deployed, the larger the constituency you have is that's fighting for those values and fighting for a cleaner future. And uh, if there's one thing that we know uh, about the energy industry, it's that policy matters and policy comes from politicians. And politicians really do care about what the people in their constituencies think about these issues. So that's another thing that I think is uniquely uh, powerful about distributed resources. You know, it actually gives me hope that maybe there are some other underlying values that we hold. I mean, it took a while to learn to see that this was an underlying value, that people wanted freedom, you know, ability to exercise uh, their own democratic uh, opportunities. So that gives me hope to just listen to you describe it that way, and that it's not as political as we think it is in the usual sense. Um, I I have one question that... Uh, I had several people at the uh, dinner, the dinner where we honored you and your uh, award should be in your hands soon. I know it was being mailed to you that uh, several people said, please ask them this when you get to talk, which is for years, we all thought of solar as exactly the right thing to do, but having so many toxic problems and how to manage it. I mean, not that they're more toxic than the rest of the energy system, but there is this hope that uh, we would be able to do this in a way that is not only sustainable, use of energy, but it's cleaner in terms of what the, the creation manufacturing process. How does Solar City think about that? What have you done? What are you doing? What do you see as the potential of how it increasingly is a cleaner and cleaner business? Yeah, well, I can't speak as much to the, the end-to-end supply chain from a technology standpoint. Um, 
But what I can kind of point to is that, you know, is comparing the different alternatives. So um, the vast majority in the United States of of power today is is generated from, uh, you know, coal and natural gas. And those industries, um, you know, I think there's a lot of debate about the impact of how uh, how negative the impact of those industries is. But I think it's pretty indisputable that um, extractive industries have a lasting and pretty devastating effect on many of the communities where they're focused. Um, you know, solar um, is like uh, any other kind of uh, portion of the industry does require uh, you know, steel, it does require glass, um, you know, it requires those materials, uh, to be developed. Um, but, you know, I think that the impact on those local communities is kind of a no brainer about which of the two you would wind up choosing. Uh, so as far as like, you know, the entire supply chain of, of solar, I think that there's probably somebody else in the company is better equipped to speak to that than, than I am. But, um, I will say that I do think that we have a, uh, a holistic look at like what it means to be sustainable. And that's something that we do really think about end to end in our company. That's great. Um, I have two questions that are a bit unrelated to usual questions about sustainability and doing the right thing. Uh, but which we consider a part of being regenerative, which is how you think about finance. You know, what does financial effectiveness mean for the company? Because as you just pointed out, extractive industries aren't just extracting things from earth, but they're all ex- also extracting in a way that they take things from community. And there gets to be a tip in terms of how pay is done, how sales pricing is done, how reporting is done. So I suspect you have some kind of policies that help you think about how you are more what we would call regenerative in terms of how you think about the money side of the business. Do you have any piece Mm -hmm. to add to that? Yeah, I I think that's definitely true. Um, You know, there's a lot of things about our... So if you think about our business model uh, with, with residential customers, we can kind of do two different things for them. So, so one option is that we can provide them, we can just sell them uh, a solar system outright, and then they can, either, they can either buy it or they can get a loan uh, and finance it over the longer term. Um, but they own it at the end of that loan. The other option is that we own the system, but we sign a contract with them to reduce the cost of their electricity. So, and then there's a third option, which I'll talk about in a second, but, but those are kind of two of the, the things that we can do. So in the first case, one of the things that's powerful about that model is that the customer owns the asset. Um, we're getting it to them. We're making sure that it's installed well. Um, we are uh, you know, making money off of the sale. But ultimately, the, the customer is the one who experiences the, the, the payback on that system because they have reduced electricity bills. Uh, the customer gets the value from that over the long term. Um, and the customer is the one who really is um, experiencing that kind of empowerment and that value creation. And there is a real value creation. Every dollar that you don't spend on your electricity bill each month under either of those business models is a dollar that you can put back into local communities. It's a dollar that you can put towards sending your kids to college. Um, and there was a study that was done a few years ago by the Political uh, Economic Research Institute of Massachusetts that showed kind of the job, the economic impact of investing in clean energy. And it showed that, you know, the job creation potential 
from solar is uh, almost two to one compared to fossil fuels. And the reason for that is that um, those jobs that it creates are local and the economic impact of electricity bill savings is also highly localized. And so, you know, what that means is that, you know, if you go solar um, and you have a little bit of extra money because you have a lower electricity bill, you tend to take that down to your local market. And so the way that that fits into the broader picture of global finance is that you're taking uh, capital that would have gone to a large utility company and then to, you know, um, to be distributed through dividends. And you're taking that and you're reinvesting it in a highly localized way. And you're investing it in local job creation. And you're investing it in, you know, you, it basically in your local economy and in families. And I think that's something that's really been important to us in terms of what kinds of customers we look for is that we look for customers for whom saving that extra $50 a month on their electricity bill is really, really important. You know, it makes a really big difference in their lives and it really creates a lot more uh, economic freedom for them on a day to day basis. And, you know, of course we, we conduct our business in a way that we, we'll be able to create profit and deliver value to our shareholders. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's really a core part of our philosophy that we want to be creating value for the customer. And I think the record has shown that that has a really powerful impact in, in local communities as well. So financial effectiveness for you starts with the customer having financial effectiveness. That's, that's right. That's part of, again, yeah. what we gave you the honor is we felt like that you are so much living in the life uh, of the consumer and whether that's commercial or whatever, that you actually do make their lives more financially secure uh, as well as their energy use. So thanks for that answer. Uh, Sherry, I think, would like to add and build on this a bit. Are you on there, Sherry, and could jump yes. in? Yes, just as a follow-on to what Adam was just talking about, solar deployment in, in both rural and urban communities all over the world has such potential to help lower-income families address the increasing impacts of energy poverty. Poverty is a real issue in our country, and energy poverty, especially in, uh, in, in communities such as um, urban areas or even rural areas like Native American reservations or just far-flung areas that have aging grid infrastructures that are largely managed by cooperative utilities or even in the ur urban areas where they're managed by investor-owned uti utilities, uh, they, they pose a challenge. A and, and so Solar City has been really first to step up and, and offer solutions to these challenges and, and with a responsiveness to the profoundly unique conditions and cultural sensitivities in, in such communities. So, you know, you've got to address economic development, workforce development, and these utility relationships, policy, and as we had touched on earlier, this company is special in that they don't shy away from those conversations. And, and many look and say, wow, I can't believe that you're, you're, you're treading there. But to be regenerative and, and to, to have um, lasting impact and, and truly change the world, um, th that's what you've got to do. And, and one of the reasons I'm so proud of this company is because we're not afraid to do that. Yeah. No, it's very exciting. Um, 
I have one last question. And Sherry, I'm going to start with you because I have a feeling it's going to be more in your territory. One of the seven first principles we have on regeneration is that the business works increasingly what we call developmentally. And developmentally means that you're actually looking at the essence and the potential and the capability, the capacity of that which you serve. So you can solve a problem for someone, and that's one thing. And then you can give them capability. You know, the old uh, give them a fish or teach them to fish or teach them how you learn how to fish. That move for customers is one thing, but it's also internal. How it is you develop people. I mean, I can hear, Sherry, your spirit. You know, you love working for Solar City. You're so you're proud to be a part of it and to tell its story. How is it you develop and work with in the way you work with people internally, the way you structure work, the way you think about roles? What are you doing there that you feel like is probably a mirror for what you're seeking to do out in the world? Could you speak to any part of that? Yes, I absolutely can. And um, we're learning. You know, we're, we're, a, we're a 10-year-old company that grew exponentially year over year, um, doubling in size virtually every year since 2006 when we were founded. So a lot of times when your organization grows organically like that, you've got some um, internal equity issues and, and, and org chart sort of um, anomalies that happen. And so, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that we're, we're learning as we go. And with the addition to our business of this 1.2 million square foot solar panel manufacturing facility in Buffalo, where I spend a lot of my time, uh, the largest in the Western Hemisphere, we're learning a lot about establishing a workforce from scratch and how we are going to address um, learning and development and career path development. And it's, it's been um, such an experience to work in a community like Buffalo, which is experiencing a, re a renaissance. They were steel. Our, our site sits atop the former brownfield of Republic Steel. And we're like a phoenix rising from the ashes with clean energy and providing 500 jobs in that plant and another 960 jobs in the city of Buffalo, uh, 5,000 jobs in the, in the state within the next 10 years. We have a unique opportunity to do well as we do good and to do good as we do well. And so what we've promised uh, the, the city of Buffalo um, is that we are going to make our best effort uh, to make the, our work for us in that city. And then even in our company as a whole, mirror the, the, the communities in which we work. So we're working to develop those uh, connections with academia and business and uh, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations. We're really digging into this, uh, the exact question that you asked me here, which is how do we develop a workforce and be, and be uh, honorable and, and sustainable and, and um, you know, pay it back, pay it forward to the community. So again, I am very proud and we're learning. So we, we haven't quite figured it all out yet, <laughs> but we're getting it. Adam, could you speak a little bit to your own experience of working there and what it means to be in the role you're in and doing the work you're doing with Solar City? And then we'll kind of wrap up on your reflection. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Sherry really hit, fantastically hit all the the high points of what I would elevate as well about what's so special about this place. But um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll just close with with something that uh, my my boss Marco Craples, who's out at Standing Rock this week, um, always says, which is, uh, you know, nobody at Solar City has a job. You know, there's not a single person here who has a job. Every single person who is here has a mission. And that's why we're here. You know, um, most of us could be other places. 
um, doing other things. But the one thing that's really unifying and I think pretty inspiring about the workplace here is that, uh, you know, you, you look around the room and you know that everybody really shares your mission. And I think that's one of the things that animates the success that we've had as a company, for sure. Um, I think that it's something that uh, enables even the most mundane of business conversations to come back to our central principles and to, to be guided by those principles and um, allows us to sidestep some of the, you know, maybe easy short-term fixes uh, instead of, and, and instead look at what's the best long-term solution, what makes the most sense for the customer, you know, what will give people the best possible experience. Uh, I hear that a hundred times a week. <laughs> I hear that. So I think that's the main thing is that, you know, um, the thing that's really inspiring about being here is that, you know, I, I don't have a job here. I, I have a mission and I'm kind of excited to continue to contribute to that mission. And I think it's going to be successful. You know, I really do. Um, and we need uh, every single person we've got and we need every single person that Sherry's talking about hiring in order to get there. Uh, and we're really excited to be to be leading the transformation that we're leading. Well, thank you so much to both of you. All eight of our judges who are quite prestigious and do a lot of looking in this field, all were very excited to honor you in that uh, the stream of transacting. And we look forward, especially as we said to every one of our honorees, we don't consider this for having done something and being complete. But as Sherry said, you're on a path and we expect a great deal more of you and we will keep uh, watching and we will get back in touch with you. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank yeah, you. thank you. It's an honor.